Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Uh, were you on the war? That's that, that was a live recording. Um, that's ringing a serious bell for some reason. That was like a 26-minute uh, uh, recording that came out. Um, I show that you were part of that, so that's why I asked. Yeah, because uh, back to the my original point, there were a lot of things going on, <laughs> and you just didn't ask questions. You just you just did what you were told and didn't ask questions. So, and me being a new guy, because uh, Morris, Mister Hayes, and Kirk Johnson had been there forever. They knew they knew all the role, all the rules. And I used to break a lot of rules because you I, no one would tell you what the rules were until you broke them. So I stopped asking questions and I just did as I was told. So I would just be there, keep my mouth shut. If you ask me to play on something, I play. The war is ringing a bell for some reason. I don't know if it's ringing a bell because we played it live. Yeah, it was live. It was live. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't remember if uh, I was there when they recorded live, but I probably was. Probably there are no credits on that song. Uh, yeah. Well, I I have it listed here under your name. So, oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but. Uh, who who in the band uh, were you kind of closest with? Did you have a, a rapport with uh, you know a couple of the people? Yeah, um, Kirk Johnson was my guy. Me and Kirk Kirk had um, a few bands in Minneapolis. He had a band with his sisters that I used to play with. His sisters all sang, and then we had a little jazz funk band with a sax player named Walter Chancellor. And then Kirk and I used to play uh, with Wayne McFarland with Ipso Facto. So Kirk and I have been playing together um, since I moved to Minneapolis in the 90s. How did I run into Kirk? Um, he was the one that called me and said, you want to come out and jam with Prince this evening? Kirk was the one that initially called me on that Wednesday that I almost passed it up because I had a $75 gig. So uh, me and Kirk, me and Kirk go back. Kirky J, that's my guy. I was at his wedding um, earlier this year. Uh, him and his wife had a beautiful wedding in Florida. But uh, me and Mr. Hayes are also very close because um, we still, I'm still with NPG now. 
I'll do a, an extended version with Mr. Hayes and uh, uh, Sonny, uh, uh, Big Tony, and Levi's there. If Levi's not there, I'm there. Um, so, I'm, yeah, and Sonny T, me and Sonny T are like, that's my dude right there. That's my brother from another mother. Uh, me and Michael Bland are also very close. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess and me and Tommy Barbarella are very close. I, I guess I could say I have a relationship. Well, me and Rhonda Smith, uh, I worked on a couple of her uh, her CDs back in the day. Me and Kat Dyson also still very tight. So, uh, yeah, everybody at NPG, I'm still uh, I'm still very in contact with. Sonny T and I played with a, an Italian singer named Georgia. Uh, when Sonny's not out with uh, Corey Wong, so yeah, I'm still I'm still in tight with all those guys. But Kirky J, Kirky J is my dude though. Were some of those re- relationships sort of rekindled after Prince's passing? You get reconnected, or did you keep in touch all those years? Yeah, uh, I kept in touch because uh, even if Prince was playing somewhere when I was with Justin Timberlake. If Prince, Prince was in town somewhere, me and John Blackwell would go see him, and uh, I would always ask him if I could come up and play. And uh, sometimes he'd let me come up and play. Sometimes he would, but uh, we always kept the uh, we always kept a good rapport uh, with us. Uh, you know, even when we were in NPG and when we weren't. So all of the NPG members, we all still really keep in contact. You know, like NPG still tours. Right now, they're currently doing, uh, we do uh, one-off dates. And uh, Levi is an original NPG member before I came. I came in this, the next segment. So when Levi is unavailable to do stuff, I'm the next guy in line. So I still play with NPG quite frequently. What would you say are a couple of uh, distinguishing characteristics of your signature playing style, Mike? Well, uh, if I had to say that, if I had to answer that question honestly, um, I guess funk has been my forte, uh, being able to be funky. And uh, beside the blessing that God gave me to do what I do, I got back up again to say my DC influence along with the Minneapolis influence along with the training of Prince allowed me to uh, come up with this really, really funky, you know, you know, funk. Just uh, think about it. Prince plays guitar, as he would tell me all the time. (laughs) So in order for me to be in the guitar seat, Behind him, I had to be just as funky as he was. If you know, or as close to as funky as he was. So, um, and uh, his uh, his guidance and his his uh, pushing me to the uh, a higher limit that I realized I was able to do allowed me to be a really funky funky guitar player. And I'm not I'm not sitting and patting myself on the back here. I'm just saying. Uh, a prince was instrumental along with the gifts God had already given me the mixture of the two uh, gave me a voice. I do have a voice. So, you know, 
other guitar players will say, oh, man, I heard, I heard, I was coming in the, in the place and I heard that funky guitar and I knew it was you. Because, uh, you know, I do have some some, some sort of a signature funk style. Is, is there a way you would say that, like, the miniature, uh, the miniature, the Minneapolis funk guitar rhythm style differs from, like, a James Brown kind yes. of thing? Well, Prince uh, was very uh, influenced by the the stylings of James Brown and the writing and his guitar. Also, uh, uh, Freddie Stone, who was Sly Stone's brother who played with Sly and Freddie Stone. Prince was also very influenced by Freddie's guitar playing. These are all funk, uh, like the guitars on, Prince, on James Brown. Um uh, we used to add a lot of James Brown licks into our guitar playing, Prince and I. So um, uh, we also did a thing called Chicken Grease, which he 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 uh, coined, where you're doing the strum that he would If he said, Mike's got chicken grease, I already knew what to do, this particular thing. And uh, there was always this, uh, like, uh, there's a James Brown that ba da ba ba da ba ba da 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 ba da 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 da, and it's this particular guitar part. I wish I had bought a guitar with. Uh, pass the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we would use that a lot, and so since Prince liked that particular part. Whatever we would just be riffing or creating on the spot, that was a go-to I knew that would make him happy. He would be very – if I went to Chicken Grease or went to the James Brown thing, he would be – you could just see him grinning over there because that's what he would have done if he was playing. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I attribute my uh, – if you want to say I have a unique style, which I've been told by a few people, uh, I would attribute it to grace of God and my own ability mixed with uh, the things that Prince taught me. What do you think? Do you ever, did you ever wonder, you know, what drove Prince so hard like that, that he was so relentless in what he pursued? Oh, uh, well, I really couldn't. Uh, he was a musician like no other. And uh, sometimes we would go like, like, for instance, if you and I went in the studio with him right now and we just finished a day of rehearsal and we just laid a couple of parts, we'd come in the next day and he'd still be there working on that song. And he had completed the song, added all this other stuff. And we'd be like, wow, that's the same song from yesterday? What the hell? Uh, and it'd be a completed track. So he, I don't know, man, that dude was driven like, uh, I don't know what was driving Prince. Prince had a, uh, he had an energy level and a, uh, just, uh, he had a sense, a musical sense that was different from any other artist on the planet. And uh, it's just, uh it was just amazing. The things that he would come up with were just amazing, you know. And to be able to, uh, if you came in NPG or Revolution as a great musician, Prince would push you and make you a much greater musician. He would strip you down and rebuild you and make you something that you weren't even, you didn't realize you were capable of being. So um, I think that's why all of his bands were so 
so uh, good because they had to come up to the level that he was, you know, or at least close as close to it as we could get. So the bands were the, his bands were always amazing, you know. And the musicians, the musicianship of the musicians that he played with is just uh, uncompromised, you know, level of professionalism that you don't find just anywhere. You know, I think that's why Prince chose the musicians he chose because uh, they were, he saw more potential in them than they even saw in themselves, you know. Did you have to deal with much uh, choreography or stage direction? Uh, we did we did choreography, but uh, it was never nothing crazy complicated. Like uh, with Justin Timberlake, we have we have choreography for the whole two hour show, and it's uh, it's it can get a little intricate sometimes as you're trying to play and do these uh, crazy steps with the dancers and the rest of the band. Whereas Prince. Uh, Prince made sure the stuff that he had us do or the stuff that Kirk would come up with or the stuff we would all do as a band, it was something that you could play and do the step. You could step and play without having to uh, think of either too hard. It was always uh, the steps were never complex. Um, I know him and we had some, we had a pretty intricate choreography in The Greatest Romance when we should do it live and me and Larry Graham had to learn a bunch of choreography for that song. But that was about the most, Oh, and then it was emancipation. If you've seen that emancipation video of us playing live at the, it was an award show and we had some pretty intricate choreography on that. So, yeah, I guess as I'm thinking back to it, we did have some choreography. Uh, face down. We did uh, face down live on the Chris Rock show. We were doing steps on that, but it was never anything really complicated. You know, it was stuff that you could play and do at the same time. Yeah, kind of like maybe the time would have done like the the musicians of the time, not the front guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Did you ever uh, get to meet or spend any time with Jesse Johnson, speaking of the time and guitar players? You know what? I never met Jesse. I did play with the time on several occasions uh, when Jesse wasn't there and Tori wasn't there either. I did. Uh, I was uh, able to play with the time at uh, one of, I think it was Terry Lewis's birthday party once or something in Minneapolis. But yeah, I, I, I had some opportunities and I knew all those guys uh, very well, but I've never, I've never met Jesse. Never. We never passed. We never crossed paths in Minneapolis when I was there. Well, I, I wish I had gotten to meet him. Well, there's still time. Yeah. The time. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what can you tell uh, people uh, about Terry uh, um, and Jimmy? Um, what are they like to work with in the studio? Man, Terry and Jimmy were freaking amazing. I mean, like I said, I started with, I got with the Sounds of Blackness, and they were rehearsed, they were rehearsing at Paisley. I mean, at, uh, oh, wow, at Flight Time. And I ran into, I met, uh, you know, Big Jim and Ann Nesby were in uh, Sounds of Blackness during their heyday. And uh, 
Big Jim was a very uh, busy writer, producer at Flight Time. So he was the first one to invite me in to do some sessions with him on uh, some sessions he was doing for other artists at Flight Time, which led me to meet Jab and Lewis. And then they started calling me to come do everything. I mean, I'd get done gigging at one in the morning and I'd get a call from Jimmy back. He'd come out, you know, lay some tracks on Janet's stuff or something. And then I would leave that session and then go to Studio B and they'd be working on uh, Lionel Richie or something. And then I'd go out of Studio B go to Studio C, they'd be working on something else. So I'd be there until the sun came up, just going from studio to studio, laying tracks because uh, Jam and Lewis in the 90s, they were producing everybody, uh, New Edition. Uh, I I can't, it was so many, so many so, songs would play on the radio during the course of the day and I'd be playing on like 15 songs that played on the radio because Jam and Lewis was producing everything back then. Karen White, uh, you know, SOS, all this stuff. Uh, maybe not SOS, but uh, they were doing everything they played on the radio at that time, you know? Yeah. And were you working also with Monty and uh, some of those other guys too? Um, no, I uh, did some stuff with, um, uh, damn. Monty and I have recorded with Paul Peterson or this Funk Friday thing he does. I'm sure the Prince fans know about uh, uh, Minneapolis All-Stars and Paul Peterson doing Funk Friday. But uh, I did some stuff with uh, Bobby Z. Bobby Z was producing Alexander O'Neill. Um, and I, I used to go out to Bobby's studio a lot and cut a lot of guitar for him uh, back in the uh, 90s, maybe early 2000s or something uh but monty and i only recently got to work together we've all know we all know each other but uh we only recently got to work together on the uh minneapolis all-stars uh paul peterson funk friday thing he does do you ever check those things out yeah it's, it's good yeah it's good so, music man yeah the one the little one minute clips uh they're pretty cool uh yeah Oh well, I just wanted to get a sense from you though, with, with Jimmy and Terry, would they kind of describe to you what they were looking for in the guitar well, part, or or no. how would that? Uh, sometimes they wanted a particular thing, but most of the time, Jimmy would let me just do my thing. He'd say, "Man, we need something on this," and I'd tell him to spin it, um, and they'd hit record, and I'd just play a bunch of crap. I'd play whatever I felt in my heart, and then Terry would come in. And he'd had he would uh Terry and Jimmy had two they had two different recording styles. Sometimes uh Jimmy would just let me play a track, and he would just love everything. But Terry would like to come in and uh bar by bar. He would like to he would have me record every bar. Like uh, what I played was cool. He'd just say do that same lick and do it again, and then we go to the next bar, and he'd say that's cool. And then he'd go to the next bar and he'd say, okay, do that same thing, but play it again. And we would make, we would come up with these perfectly beautiful tracks, but I, would, I had already laid the guitar, but Terry would come in and make sure all the I's were dotted and all the T's were crossed. And, uh, it was a, it's a painstaking process, but it, they always came up with great, great tracks. So, uh, the two of them together are a great writing team. 
uh, because they they were hit makers, of course, and uh, they gave me the room to do what I wanted to do to add uh, whatever flavor I added to the song. But there were certain things that they 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 wanted, like they would want certain little uh, tricks that I would do. They would say, "Mike, do that thing that you do," and I do that thing all the way through a song, like on Mary J's when we did Mary J's album. Um, there was a particular thing they wanted. And I did that uh, throughout the song, and uh, they were they they still are they're great producers, man. I love working with them. But they moved to L.A., and uh, you know, I don't, I don't I still talk to them, but I don't work with them as much anymore because there's there's great guitarists in L.A. that uh, do what I do even better, you know. Mm. What about the music scene in Georgia? Um. I really haven't gotten into the music scene here because uh, for two reasons. Uh, as I say, my wife and I are here building a house and um, I'm, I'm, I kind of come, I think of Georgia as my escape from the rest of my life. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to really get uh, heavily into the music scene here in Georgia. And I uh, actually got into the gospel music scene here a little bit um, with uh, that. There was a one uh, congregation of church. I was uh, Justin Timberlake's keyboard player, Justin Gilbert. He invited me out to play with uh, Hillsong, Hillsong Ministries. I started working with them and uh, we did a few things and it just, you know, it eventually went to the wayside. But I'm not complaining because uh, my wife and I are building a house. I have my daughter here. We got chickens, we got bees, we got pit bulls, we got rabbits, and uh, eight acres of beautiful freedom. And I'm just kind of enjoying. After doing like uh, you know, full two year tours with Justin Timberlake, like 366 days a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said 366. We would tour. Justin would tour quite heavily. So I'm, I'm not, you understand what I'm saying, Scott? I'm not uh, in a big rush to go run it back to the road. you got to decompress, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still work with a band in Hilton Head uh, uh, called Reggie D's and these guys. I work with them on weekends. Um and that's been that's been cool. That's been enough for right now. Um, and I still do stuff with NPG. And I just came from Germany, um, working with Vince Mendoza. Actually, NPG was just over there. We did. Uh, did you see that thing we did in Germany? I with um, uh, Liv Warfield and yeah, uh, Liv and yeah. Cassandra O'Neill and uh, Ricky Peterson, Paul Peterson, and Kirk Johnson, Kirky J was on drums. Yeah, it looked yeah. like it. It looked like it was received really well. Like it went well. Yeah, yeah. That thing. That thing was amazing because we had the we had the big band behind us, and uh, it was very nice. I mean, Prince used uh, last I was with him, he had eleven piece horn section, so we were already familiar with that style, how that was going to sound. But Vince Mendoza is uh, an amazing arranger, so he uh, he put a new spin on a lot of uh, Prince songs. So. I think that thing's still streaming on Facebook, I believe. If somebody, if anybody wants to check it out, just look up uh, Vince Mendoza, the WDR Orchestra, featuring Prince, the music of Prince. But uh, yeah, so yeah. 
Well, you know, I like to ask people that play funk, what is what does it mean to you? You know, what does funk do for you spiritually, musically? What is funk to you? Well, funk to me, it's a it's a syncopation. I always tell guitar players and I tell drummers sometimes too. Uh I play guitar. And I think the same way a drummer's playing is hi-hat, depending on if he's playing eighth notes to, to, or playing 16th notes. To, 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 to. And uh, I always tell guitarists, listen for that hole and listen for that space that's not being filled. And if you try to put something funky in that space, something syncopated and funky that will bounce off that rhythm that's already there, then you being funky. So if it ain't got your if it ain't got your neck going, it ain't funky. <laughs> you know. So when I'm playing, I try to find that pocket that's not there. I try whenever I hear stuff, for some reason I hear a funky rhythm that's missing. So when I add what I do, it makes you say, oh damn, that's God, that's funky like a mug. Cause I'm hearing a part that's not there. So I try to add that that rhythm, that rhythmic ele- element. And I learned that from Prince because me and him used to play off each other, and we would always play like this. If I was there, he would be here. We would never be playing the same note, the same thing at the same time. It would always be that. Interlocked. Yes. So, And it was funky that way. So when I learned from him doing that, like he would just tell me, play your part, stay where you are. And he would play something that bounced off of what I was playing. So we were doing this syncopated, funky thing. So whenever I listen to any music, anything, I'll hear a part that's not there that could have made it just a little bit more funkier. So funk to me is uh if it ain't if it ain't got that, you know, if it's if it's right here. I'm gonna come in with something. I'm gonna come in with that, you know, because the whole groove is just this one and two and three. And I'm gonna go try to come in with something that's gonna make it bounce. You know what I'm saying, Scott? Absolutely. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's what that's what funk is to me. I always try to find that rhythmic element, like a percussionist. Uh, Terry Santil plays percussion with. With Justin Timberlake and uh, Kirk Kirky J was percussion with uh, MPG, and we just had two amazing percussionists uh, in Germany. But uh, I always tell percussion players, I'm playing percussion too, because don't think of guitar as guitar; think of it as percussion. And Prince, if you listen to Prince's rhythm playing, uh, like on a song like "Controversy," he's freaking playing percussion. His guitar is he's playing up. He's playing like a percussion player. And so I think of guitar along funk guitar. I think along those terms. Think of it as a percussive instrument rather than a guitar. If that makes any sense. Uh, it makes so much sense, Mike. And you know, I think for me, a lot of what got lost in a lot of music that still was funky but not as funky as it could be because with electronics a lot of times these creators might create a funky beat 
but would not have the rhythm guitar part in there necessarily. Yeah. You add that scratchy, you know, rhythm guitar in the right spot, like you're saying, percussive, and it just takes that funk off to another level. And so it takes it to another level. It takes yeah. it to another level. And uh, yeah, and and uh, like I said, thank God and thank Prince because he he taught me. I just uh, he just taught me to listen and find that space, find that place to put something funky in that's not already there. Uh, you know, a funky rhythm, a funky element, you know. You think there's ever any player that was as equally strong in rhythm and lead as Prince? No. <laughs> uh, no, because uh, uh, there, there was only one Prince and uh we we all come we can come damn close. There's a lot of good funk guitar players out there. Don't don't misunderstand me. Um, uh, I just did an interview with uh, Hughes and Kettner amplifiers, and they called me something. What did they call me? The king of funk or something? Like, who? Godfather. Oh, Godfather of punk of funk. <laughs> Godfather of guitar. That, that's my wife's. The Godfather of Funk Guitar is what they coined me, um, and I'm not saying I'm not tooting my own horn in any way. But there are a lot of funky guitar players out there. But Prince had a funk pocket like no one else on this planet. And as far as his lead playing, you saw him do and steal my guitar gently weeps with some of the greatest guitarists in the world, and they were their jaws were on the floor. I was at that uh, when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was there, and he was on fire that night. Prince's lead playing and his rhythm playing, uh, I can't I can't compare him to anybody. But like I said, I thank God that I was allowed. I had an opportunity to learn from a great master such as him. And uh, I, hopefully that's what gives me a little bit of an edge uh, to be coined the godfather of funk. <laughs> what what, what funk are your what, godfather what, of funk guitar? The wife said, "Yeah, because godfather of well, the godfather of soul, of course, is James. Yeah, uh, godfather of funk, maybe uh, George Clinton and your yeah. funk guitar. Yeah, they said godfather of funk guitar, but uh, I I don't know about all of that, Scott. All I know is uh, I I can get funky when it when it need to be stanky." I can get funky like a dead monkey, so <laughs> I ain't, I'm not I'm not upset about that. What were two? I ain't, ashamed, I ain't ashamed to get funky. <laughs> what are two or three of your favorite Prince uh, songs to play? Uh, she's always in my hair is one. Uh, uh, what's that? Uh. Uh, controversy is a is a fun one to play. Um, I'm thinking about uh, what's that one we used to do live? Everybody, get on the phone, come here for no no loser, like a whole that DMSR. Is oh, also, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, because this is guitar part that I added on there that Prince loved, and you know, there's a million videos of me and him doing this little dance step on there. But uh, the guitar part was crazy funky on there, and it's consistent through the whole song. 
And that's the kind of thing I was telling you. That's the kind of thing. Prince would give me the room to do that kind of stuff. But I had to do it within the limitations of what uh, he wanted. You know, it just had to be funky. That's all he required is that it was funky. And I knew when it was funky because he liked it. He looked at me and smile or he'd, he'd break it down to just the guitar so that everybody could hear the funk that I was bringing. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so there's that one. She's always in my hair. Um, uh, come on, man. We could sit here and name you, you, 400. You said controversy. Uh, you got three that you already named. Okay. Was that all you wanted was three? Because we could name 400. So well, I know that's why I said three, but uh, okay. the MSR go. is probably that's that's that was my pick for Prince's baddest funk track is DMSR. Yeah. So I'm glad you picked that one. Um, so how does it feel to be able to keep this legacy alive by bringing that music to people still? Hey, man, that's that's one of the greatest things in the world. I mean, uh, since he was loved and adored by so many. To stand up on stage with NPG and keep his music live, you know, with Kirky J and Tommy and Sonny and Michael and uh, Mr. Hayes and uh, the horn, the horn players, the horn heads and all the rest of them. Uh, there's, there's a couple of horn sections and and Liv and Shelby and Cassie. And uh, it's just it's it's amazing uh alicia it's amazing to be able to keep his music alive you know um with the original people uh a lot of the people that were there when he created it that's just you know levi and uh levi also is an amazingly funky guitar player i learned a lot from that guy him and and sunny t sunny t uh you know supposedly taught prince to play um, and Prince will tell you, Prince said that from his own mouth, that Sonny T was the greatest guitar player he ever knew. So uh, Sonny's a funky dude, too, <laughs> and on guitar. Sonny T is a funky dude. But, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to be able to stand on a stage and be a part of such a great legacy of music created by one of the greatest musicians to ever walk the earth. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're so thankful that you're helping keep it alive. You know, um, Mike, um, so important for, you know, new generations coming up, you know, can never forget. And uh, it enriches the lives of so many people. Yes. So um, how can people uh, kind of keep, you know, finger on the pulse of what you might have going if you're going to make an appearance, if you're going to play, if maybe, I don't know if you're ever going to record new music, but uh, that would be cool too. Who you mean, MPG or me or who? Well, MPG uh, or anything that's funky, you know. <laughs> well, MPG was uh, I did a recording with them or for them last year. I know they uh, more. Mr. Hayes told me they were working on some new material uh, with McKenzie uh, being the front guy. I'm not sure uh, where that is right now. You know, with the estate taking over everything and all. I don't know. Uh, I try to stay out of the politics of all of that, but uh, you know, if there's new music to be made, they'll be making it. But you know, Prince was the 
the kind of he was at the helm of all of this. He was the orchestrator, you know, he was the innovator, he was the creator. So we're doing what we can, man. We're doing what we can to keep the music alive. And whatever we can do is what we will do. And I'm sure you have plenty of parts that are in the vault, you know, that might come out at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and I have a, uh, what is it, guitarist, Mike Scott? Uh, what is my? Yeah, guitarist Mike Scott, uh, Facebook, you know, um, is my handle. And uh, if anyone wants to keep up with anything I'm doing, um, you can find it there. Uh, but uh, NPG is still currently doing dates. They're doing dates here and there. And like, like I said, if, if Levi's not playing, I'm playing. And if I'm not playing, Homer Odell with Big Edition is playing. So it's going to always be funky. <laughs> I'd love to see MPG able to, you know, do a more um, widespread U.S. group of shows, you know. Um, well, guess what? Um, as quiet as it's kept, I probably shouldn't say anything. The Vince Mendoza thing we did with the WDR Orchestra and the Prince Tribute, they are uh, in negotiations of touring that next year in the U.S.A. And there will be, of course, Ricky Peterson, Paul Peterson, Liv, Cassandra O'Neill, Kirky J, and myself. So it will be an NPG core playing all Prince music. Mm, man, I hope that happens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I hope so, too. It, it sounds like it is going to happen. Uh, I just Like I said, I just left Germany uh, last Sunday, and they mentioned that that's the next project that I'll probably see them on would be touring the Prince tribute with the WDR orchestra live. Oh man, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be bad. At it. Yeah. Very <laughs> yeah. cool. Hey Mike, um, thank you so much for spending the time with me and, and for sharing these stories with all the fans and for all the great music through the years too. Yeah, man. Thank you for inviting me, Scott. I appreciate it. Sorry. We had so many hurdles to jump to get here, but uh, we got it done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, viewers don't know, but COVID for me was one of the things that kind of, you know, derailed us for a moment. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can't, uh, the funk will come through no matter what you do. So at some point it's going to happen. And uh, I appreciate you with uh, the sniffles and all that and all you got going on there, man. Um, I'm envious of you able to uh, juggle all these things like you do, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, my wife, uh, she cracks the whip, keeps me, keeps me moving. <laughs> Uh, I tell my friend she works me harder than a Hebrew slave, so it's, <laughs> she keeps me going. Her and my little eight-year-old daughter. So, uh, hey man, thank you for taking the time and uh, being patient with me, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Mike, and I'll let you know when this is going to post. And until then, man, I hope you feel better soon, and uh, good luck on that um, trip you got coming up. All right, thank you, and I'll keep you posted on that. If they if that thing comes alive, I'll make sure that you have the link to. Uh, Spread to all your viewers and all. Take care, all right, man. Thanks a lot, man. Let thanks me know if you need anything else. Okay. All right, for sure. Later. Peace. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. 
I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at funkandstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkandstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.